Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our dap today, Masachet Yivamot, dap Samech Gimel, page 63. Well, we finally got a dap of pure Agadita. <laughs> um, but of course, because it's Yivamos, it spends a lot of time talking about marital relationships, how a wife can be good, how a wife can be bad. Uh, but it's, you know, I think it's a good break from some of the brain teasers that we've been seeing. Um, so Anne and I are just going to pick a couple of things to focus on here. Um, there's beginning of the top starts with the discussion of five statements of Rabbi Elazar. And one of them is actually a pretty shocking statement. But I'm a Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar says, this is the fourth one of his statements. My dichtiv, right? What is the meaning of, uh, of the pasuk from Bereshi chapter two, verses 22 through 23? This time it is the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. And then the pasuk goes on to say that this will be called a woman um, from whom man uh, she was taken. So this pasuk teaches us that Adam, um, and literally this is what it means, cohabitated with every animal and beast. But his mind was not put at peace until he cohabitated with Eve. So this is one of the sort of like outrageous, outlandish, agadic statements that we can find in the Gemara or sometimes in the Midrash, right? If you read it literally, I mean, it seems to say that Adam engaged in bestiality. Uh, I encourage everyone to spend a little bit of time looking at the Mepharshim um, because, uh, you know, they're obviously going to spend uh, a lot of time uh, trying to, uh, you know, explain what does this mean? So, for example, like some of Farsham would say that what this really is talking about is how God brought each and every animal before Adam um, and Adam, uh, you know, sort of, you know, named them, right? Um, and then it wasn't until he came to Chava that he had this realization that Chava was sort of his, uh, that his, uh, his you know, his partner. Um, but it's, you know, it's an interesting um uh, or that, you know, Adam sort of recognized Chava was going to be, you know, was his counterpart um, and didn't see that when he saw all of the other animals. Um, but it's interesting that the, you know, Agatha is willing to use that kind of language. Um, and I think we should just sort of note it. I'm not saying that I have the answer about why they use that type of language. Um, and again, it's obvious why the Mepharshim are going to spend a lot of time trying to sort of work their way around that language. But this is sort of a typical, you know, outrageous Agatic passage uh, that, you know, we don't see so often, but they, they definitely appear within the Gemara itself. And I thought this was a, an excellent example of that. Um, I think it's, I don't know, I, I feel like the moment we're talking about Adam Arishon, right, then then the and we're talking about the creation time of things right this is before chava even comes around i feel like all bets are off like it doesn't strike me as bestiality in the way that meaning whatever it means it doesn't strike me as the thing that gets prohibited in in the book of leviticus and that we rightly all cringe at right like i i feel like this idea of like uh, how is it told to, for children's stories, right? That Adam Rishon was looking for his mate, right? Until he found Chava, he didn't find, you know, he there was none for him. Um, it, you know, it, 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 this is the most, um, 
you know, X-rated version of that same story, but but just in terms of like pairing off for your own kind, I don't know that it's so strange. Yeah, I, I no, I agree with you. I just think the sexual language around it. Look, in the context of Yavamos, it's actually not shocking, <laughs> and I mean that seriously because I think if you look at what else is here, there's a lot of sexually explicit material. But I also understand what you're saying. Like, you're comfortable saying, like, we're talking about creation time, which nobody really understands. So therefore, the, the uh, you know, God, it says, allowed to sort of use language that is, that's difficult for us to understand as well. And I, I, I'm totally willing to take it that way. All right. And, and I, I think that they're not really oh, criticizing sorry. him. No, just I think they're not really criticizing him as, oh, like. I agree. I don't think it's said critically at all. I think it's said matter-of-factly. Okay, so now I'm going to jump to further on Ahmed Aleph. We have some more agotic statements, and I kind of wished that each one, each one of these many statements, had you know, I don't know, more development, a longer exposition, because uh, they're relatively shorter. Then you say, wait, but that's it. So here's the first one of those of the ones that I want to talk about. Amr Belazer Baravina, Ein Paranud Bale Olam Yisrael. So there's no punishment or calamity that comes into the world um, except for Yisrael, except for the Jewish people. What does that mean? It seems to mean because of the sins of the Jewish people. This is a passage from Tzifania. I don't know how often we get to quote Tzifania, where the verse says, I've cut, I, meaning God, right? I've cut off nations. Their corners are desolate. I've made their streets, uh, destroy, I've destroyed their streets, their corners, um, meaning, and they're also, meaning the next verse says, and the implication is, it says, you, you B'nai Israel, will fear me, you will take Musar, ethics, rebuke, whatever, something like that, right? So the idea is that all of that happened that God did to those other nations was in order to leave B'nai Israel the message that they need to reform their ways. Now, as a statement of, you know, theodicy of bad things happening in the world, this is a quite disturbing to be sure. Um, as a, you know, comment on the relationship between God and B'nai Israel, I suppose it's, you know, profound and meaningful. But what I mean, what I meant before when I said, like, this is kind of a tease, like, I want the Gemara to go on and elaborate on this and or argue on it or or criticize it or develop it further. And really, this is all we get at this time. Um, obviously, there's much to discuss, right? Like, you could have this be a, a long essay question on an exam. Um, but then the Gemara shifts into other topics and he goes on to make the same way that was talking a little bit about wives, you know, well, this is Yavamot, right? So then we enter into a long series of comments on people and their wives. So I'm going to start with just the first one, I guess, maybe two. Rav Hava Mipatermi Rebichia. So Rav was leaving Rebichia. Now Rebichia is his uncle. And Rabbi Chia was also his teacher. So he said, meaning Rav is going back um, from Israel, back to Bavel. And Rabbi Chia says to him, may Hashem, may the merciful one, Rachmana, right? May the merciful one um, save you from anything that is harder than death, that is worse than death. And Rav says, 
What could be worse than death? Says Rav. Nafak, he goes out. Dak v'ashkach v'ashkach u'motzei ani mar mimavet at ha'isha v'gomer. He finds the verse in Kohelet, um, the book of Ecclesiastes, where it says, I find more bitter than death the woman, blah, 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 whatever, the story. I mean, I'm not reading the whole verse here, but um, but the 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 statement, you know, this is in Kohelet's sour moments, right? The book of Kohelet is, um, on the one hand, um, I, I would say that there's a jaded tone throughout, meaning it's redeemed at the end and where it says, oh, but really Torah, you know, overcomes everything. But throughout the book of Kohelet, it's the author, Shlomo HaMelech, as traditionally um, attributed, says, I tasted this, I tried this, I encountered this, and I did it with, you know, everything in the world, and and every and then you know, all the famous statements of there's nothing new under the sun. Um, this is what I mean by the jaded statement. So when he says, I find more bitter than death, the, the woman who is nagging, who's whatever, right? There's a whole discussion there of in Kohelet of how you could have a wife or a woman in your life who will, you know, make you wish for death. So there's Rav's example, right? So then the implications that Rav was was alluding to this. Rav Havakam Mitzarela debate and Rav's wife, in fact, according to this passage, would bother him. Ki avidili He would say, "Make me lentils." She would make peas. She would say make peas and he would make and she would make lentils. So the implication here is that, you know, Rabbi Shia is making a comment on alluding to the statement in Kohelet to Rav about it. Rav himself was like fine with everything until Rabbi Shia reminds him that Kohelet has a statement of a bad wife or a difficult woman being worse, a fate worse, worse than death. And then Rav has to like clock in and say, oh, wait a minute, my wife is annoying too. And I find this whole passage to be, to kind of beg the question of, you know, what is Rabbi Chia really saying? And what was Rav's home life really? Because it didn't seem to be a terrible situation until he has to go look at it and find like, oh, she's annoying, which also the whole thing of it, I just find to be strange. Yeah, it's, Look, I think uh, finally, it makes sense that in Yuvamos this thing sort of appears. Um, it's also interesting to see some of the stories. They're kind of like almost humorous or Jew, like especially that story with Rub and his wife. He's making him the food he doesn't want, whatever he says. Like his plan. Uh, there was something that, like you could see the movie sketch of this, right? Like how that would appear, you know, that like that would be the gag. That, or a sitcom. Right, the sitcom, exactly. That like... The dad always asks for this. The mother always makes the opposite. And the son sort of comes up with a solution um, to make it. So there's something very, you know, human about this page. Like, and I, I think we all know there are some marriages that are sort of more successful and some that are fraught with more tension. And this stuff really explores that. And I think it talks about that when a marriage is unhappy, it's bad. And when a marriage is good, it's great. So, I, you know, I appreciate it sort of the anecdotes that sort of came through uh, with this. Um, I just want to, I just want to say, I just want to say the, the conclusion of this discussion is that then there's, there's um, more on the Chia and his son and Rav's and the wives, right. And the story, but it ends with, um, 
a story about Rabbi Chia. I'm now at the very, very bottom of Amad Aleph, and then I'll turn it over to you, Yardina. Rabbi Chia have a commentary on debate, and Rabbi Chia's wife was annoying him. He have a mishkach basudre. What would happen? He would when he would find something that he thought that she would really like. He would wrap it up in his shawl, umait in nihila, and he would bring it to her. Amalei Rav. So Rav says to him, But hang on, isn't she bothering you all the time? Isn't she making your life miserable? It's enough, meaning like, fine, yes, maybe she's annoying, but at the end of the day, according to Rabbi Chia, right, it's enough, he says, that the that his wife raises his children and keeps them from sin, meaning he's making the comment as a general statement, not just about his wife, and that his point is that they should be, you know, show gratitude and show appreciation, um, you know, and which goes on then. So again, here's this verse from Kohelet. And so the and then so this this goes back just to the verse of Kohelet where again Rabbi Yehuda teaching this verse to his son and his son says like who would that be who's who's who is a woman who would be a fate worse than death and Rabbi Yehuda says like your mother now which seems to be and which goes on right meaning the story of Rabbi Yehuda comes off of the story of Rabbi Chia and Rav because of the verse and it goes on to in a whole different discussion but again this issue of like on the one hand it's so wonderful to be with this woman who's raising my children who's saving me from sin who you know who who I've made my life with and who at the same time is annoying and therefore will we'll fulfill that verse in in Kohelet I still think it's strange but I think there's something I think that the second piece of Rabbi Chia uh, meaning about Rabbi Chia where he would take great care to be gentle and considerate of his wife I think is necessary to understand like He's not. Ju- it's not just a, a a snipey comment. It's not just being, I don't know, anti the wife, right? Like it's it's more complicated than that in terms of, as you said, your Dana, the nature of marriage. Well, I also think it's great marriage advice. Like what he's basically saying is, is you got to let it go sometimes. Like think of the bigger picture. Think about what she's doing for you, and it's okay to let it go. You know, like uh, I, I could see, you know, a, a marriage therapist sort of using this story. Uh, as uh, and it's probably good relationship advice in general with anybody, right? That you know, it's very easy to get caught up in what annoys you about another person, but you need to sort of think about what the bigger picture is. What do you? What does that person really ultimately do for you? Um, I'm just going to move. I just want to point out one other small thing. There's an interesting discussion. There's sort of a little tangent here with Rabbi Yochanan, uh, where they I'm related to Rabbi Yochanan. They come to Rabbi Yochanan atu chaburei lebavel the the Chabarim uh, have come to Babel. Shkanafal, he falls down when he hears this. So he seems to be upset that that there were, uh, you know, th- that these people, um, uh, you know, were coming into Eretz Yisrael and this, his students were going to have to deal with this, um, right? Amrule, but they said to Mikabli Shukta, right? They're bribe takers. So in other words, you know, whatever cruel things they're going to do to us, don't worry, you can pay them off. So then he hears this Rabbi Yochanan and he, and he sets himself, he sits himself up because he realizes he'll be able to, to take care of this issue with the, with the Chabarim. Gazur al-Shosha. And so then they told him there are three decrees that they're going to do. And then Rabbi Yochanan basically tells him that these three decrees are basically 
you know, in parallel to or as a result of we're not careful of, right? So what were they? Ghazir um, al-Bassar, so they basically said that you could not slaughter, you know, do have kosher meat anymore, do shchita, so this was because, uh, you know, Benesra wasn't being careful of the gifts that you give to the uh, to the Kohanim, right? The pieces of meat you're supposed to give to the Kohanim. Gazra right? They made a decree against the bathhouses. This was because uh, Benesra, the Jews weren't careful about going to um, <clears throat> to to mikvah when they were supposed to. Right, and then they told him that they were exhuming the dead. They were digging dead bodies up. So he said, "This is because the Babylonian Jews celebrate on Chaberim's holidays, right?" And so they're, they, you know, they sort of, uh, uh, you know, they sort they they dug up the um, the the bodies. So that they would actually, you know, have a reason to mourn. Now, I, I think my understanding of this is that almost in a way, I think what he's saying is, is that the Jews were celebrating in Babel. They were celebrating these Babylonian holidays that they shouldn't do. And he quotes a pasuk then to uh, to to support this. Um, I, you know, I always find these types of passages interesting where, you know, today we get very uncomfortable with those types of things. Right. Where a rabbi comes and says this bad thing happened because of this sin that you did. But Rabbi Yochanan is pretty explicit here about that. Yochanan is find many passages like this in the Gemara itself. Um, I, I sort of just want to point it out because I think for our modern sensibilities, we don't like this type of thing, right? When we put the, uh, the Odyssey in where we say like, this tragedy happened because we weren't careful. Of the Amorayim are very uh, comfortable speaking in that sort of way, you know? And he was very comfortable sort of pointing out, you did this and therefore this was going to happen. And, and, you know, again, it's just not a way that we think, not all of us, but I think a lot of us don't like to think that way religiously anymore. Um, I think, you know, we're very wise nowadays. I, you know, I'll include myself in this nod comment, right? Like that, but this idea that we know, we can say definitively how things happen in the world, I think makes, you know, makes the hackles rise in the back of my neck type of thing in terms of, you know, giving the whys and wherefores. Do I think that Chazal had greater access to such knowledge? Maybe, meaning it doesn't bother me as much when Chazal make a statement about, let's say, the destruction of the temple happened for this and such a reason. I, you know, I can accept that without thinking that that means that we today should now look at bad, something bad that happened, a tragedy that happened, and ascribe reason to it. Um, I think that it becomes very difficult in our, maybe it's because of science, I don't know, but to be able to say, we know why or how God runs the world, as opposed to saying we have to function within this world as as it is. As it is. Um, maybe it's the wake of the Holocaust, meaning there's a lot of things that have happened that, that, that make human beings today, I think, much less inclined, um, or at least me, much less inclined to to lay claim to such knowledge. On the other hand, there's still plenty of people saying because of this, that happened. And it just makes me angry now. It doesn't make me angry with Chazal. Here, I think it's fine. Nowadays, it, it is a problem for me. 
Well, let's also be honest. Very often that stuff, you know, comes out about like women shaitals or clothing or sneers. So it tends to sometimes have like a very point of view of the world, I would say in modern, you know, when you see a lot of this modern stuff come out. Um, but I, I guess what I would say is, is I think there's sort of a balance between like a statement like Rabbi Yochanan that says, because you didn't do this, this punishment happened versus when bad things happen, using it as an opportunity to do teshuva or sort of thinking about what are things that I could do better without necessarily, you know, ascribing it to a particular sin. Like, I, I guess I fall a little bit more in that latter category than that, than that former category. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff. And if you enjoyed our, uh, you know, going back to Samagadita during our discussion of Yuvamos on our Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.